Welcome to this production from College Place United Methodist Church. To find out more about our church, please visit our website at www.collegeplaceumc.org. And now, here's our sermon from Dr. Bill Daniel. A blessing to service. Thank you, choir, for being a blessing to us in your service with your gifts, sharing in your gifts with us. What a blessing to lift our hearts to the Lord, to learn what God's will for us is as a people, a sharing people, sharing our gifts. Could be no more appropriate time of the year than this Veterans Day weekend to think about giving and what it means to share and the cost to share in the mission of God in the world. I think Mark is addressing these very issues, the cost of serving, the cost of being a disciple, to contrast the corruption in the way of grabbing of the scribes in the temple and the treasury and the way of the widow whose offering was a sharing of her whole self. We read in the 12th chapter, according to Mark, verses 38. As Jesus taught, he said, Beware the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and to have the best seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at the banquets. They devour widows' houses, and for the sake of appearance, they say long prayers. They will receive the greater condemnation. And he sat down opposite the treasury of the temple, and he watched the crowd putting money into the treasury offering. Many rich people put in the large psalms. A poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which are worth but a penny. And he called his disciples and said to them, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who contributed to the treasury. For all of them have contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her, out of her poverty has put in everything she had and all she had to live on. May the Lord bless the people of God at the hearing of the word of God. Thanks be to God. Many years ago, there was a comedian named Jack Benny. Some of you will no doubt remember Jack Benny. Although his heyday was certainly before my time, he was still around <laughs> during my early days. And I could remember him on the talk show circuits. And I learned what a great comedian he had been. He would play his violin, and he was very talented with that. But his greatest shtick, his greatest, uh, I guess you'd say, comedic routine was he would tell a story about he and his wife walking down the street, and he was very cheap. He was known to be cheap in his life, and there was a story about a gangster who accosted him on the street with a gun and came up to him and said, your money or your life? Jack Benny sat there quietly. Your money or your life? He wouldn't say a word. He says, all right, bud, your money or your life? And he says, I'm thinking, I'm thinking. <laughs> Jack Benny, thinking. 
the money or the life. Your money or your life. This is a, a challenge. It's so funny because it gets at the challenge for all of us. Our money or our life. We're thinking. We're thinking. It's very important in a stewardship campaign to be thinking, and that's why you have your estimate of giving cards. And, but on this Veterans Day, I think it's an appropriate time to stop to think about those who have already decided, as we heard so many names lifted up in our congregation, people we know who've already decided in the question of your money or your life, they've already decided they will put everything they have in to serve in our military. How thankful we are and how thankful I heard you in your memory of those particularly who have served among us and are continuing to serve. They've already decided the question. They've given up the money and they've put all that they have in. They're all in. Jesus is saying much the same thing according to Mark. He's asking disciples, what will it be? Are you all in as a disciple? will you choose? You've got to serve somebody. You've got to serve something. Will it be the life of discipleship in Christ or the life that we would try to protect through clutching to our money? Your money or your life is a discipleship question. It is a key question for us Christians because you got to serve somebody. Bob Dylan, the poet, laureate, the Nobel poet taught us, you got to serve somebody. You may be an ambassador to England or France. You may like to gamble. You might like to dance. You might be the champion of the world. You might be a socialite with a long string of pearls. But you're going to have to serve somebody. You're going to have to serve somebody. It may be the devil or it may be the Lord. But you're going to have to serve somebody. Mark's vision of discipleship challenges us. You gotta serve somebody. Who you gonna serve? Your money or your life? When we go to work each day, we're making decisions about our lives, what we will invest ourselves in, our money or our life. Each day we get up and go to work and choices have already been made and we follow through on promises made. Our employment, is actually an exchange. You exchange your time, precious time, that we all have only a few years of. And we exchange that time in our gifts, our talents, in exchange to serve something. We all serve something. Depending on the kind of business we're in, we invest our time, and in exchange we receive money back. But it's an investment, and we serve we might serve health if we're nurses. We might serve knowledge and children's nurturing if we're teachers. We might serve the economy if we work in the food industry and feeding the society. If we work in a bank, the economic order, we're all serving something. Beauty, health, wealth, the legal order. We all serve something. Who are you going to serve? We make those decisions each day. Who and what will we serve? You're going to have to serve somebody. You may be a preacher with your spiritual pride. You may be a city councilman taking bribes on the side. You may be working in a barbershop. You may know how to cut hair. 
You may be somebody's mistress. You may be somebody's heir. But you got to serve somebody. It may be the devil or it may be the Lord, Dylan tells us. But you got to serve somebody. Jesus tells us much the same thing. We make decisions. Looking across at the temple and its treasury where the great fundraising of the Jewish temple occurred, Jesus saw corruption, he saw bribery, he saw the scribes stealing from the poor to uphold a temple system that was crumbling. In fact, Jesus prophesied the entire institution would fail. Looking out across the way, he contrasted the way of the grab and corruption with the way of giving and contribution. The widow who gave all because she decided she had to serve something. It might be the devil, it might be the Lord, but she decided to serve the Lord with all she had. And Jesus said, truly, this widow has put in more than all the campaigns and all the fundraising of the temple treasury contributions. They contributed out of abundance. She out of her poverty. She was all in her life. The money are your life. She decided to invest her life. And we remember her today. Even as the temple has been destroyed, we remember the widow's mighty might. The lepton in Greek, the smallest of the currency, the smallest gift of all because she gave her your money or your life? What will it be? We have the example of the service of our soldiers and we have the example of the widow, but we all have to decide how we will invest ourselves because time wears at us all. Jesus knew that the time for the temple was drawing nigh, the time for its destruction. And in fact, this is the last section before he foretells the destruction of the temple. He knew time was ticking. The clock was running on the temple and on the institution and on religious corruption, on religious institutions, that a new spirit would come. Are we serving time? Are we serving Christ with our time? This is the question that this passage forces us to ask. Now, we are given each the same amount of time, 24 hours in a day. How will we offer our time? Although each of us has differing amounts of money, we each have the same time allotment. And time comes, in a sense, to rob us all. Time is a robber. Time is a thief. It wears us down. And even scientists tell us that time itself will run out of time with the expansion of the universe. Time itself may not even be eternal. It may run out of time. So what are we investing in that is enduring? Time is fleeting. Only Father Time is undefeated. Well, Father Time in Alabama and Clemson, I guess. <laughs> but Father Time is undefeated and wears us down all. What are we giving ourselves to? What are we investing in? Money promises all things and to hold on to it offers us sometimes 
the cheap promise that we can find the things in life that we need that money can buy. Money can buy you a lot of things, but it can't help us beat time. Money maybe can buy us a bed, but it can't purchase sleep and rest. Money can buy you books, but not wisdom. Money can buy you food, but not a healthy appetite or health. Money might buy you luxury. It can't provide lasting beauty. And it can certainly buy you a house, but not a home filled with the blessings of love through your family. It can certainly provide amusement, but not peace and lasting happiness. Time will wear away all things that we hold on to, even religious institutions, even buildings, as Christ's message foretold. But the widow was giving all she had beyond the institution, giving all she had to live on. Her faith was shown in the mighty might. What are we giving to that is eternal? What do we give to that puts us in touch with God's future, God's eternity, even as the present age, with all of its tumult and chaos, threatens to wear us down? Serving shouldn't be simply serving the past. And churches are perhaps guilty of this, and pastors are most guilty, as the scribes were, serving the past with our finances. This is a different vision. The widow giving beyond the corruption that was destroying her, giving beyond the temple and its past and its memories, giving towards a new future that was coming in Jesus and in the kingdom of God. What are we serving? we got to serve somebody. What are we serving in our churches? The dead past are God's blessed future of the kingdom. There was a grandfather that was taking a little boy, his grandson, through on a tour of the beautiful cathedral that he worshipped in. And he was taking the little boy down the aisles of the worship area, the sanctuary. And there were numerous plaques along the wall. And he was showing his grandson all the plaques and all the beauty, the stained glass windows. And the little boy looked at a couple of the plaques and said, Grandfather, what are those plaques on the wall for? And the grandfather said, Oh, well, those are for the people who died in the service. The little boy scratched his chin and said, which one, the early or the late service? <laughs> Our service should be more to plaques on the wall and to a dead past. We should be, when we come to worship, offering our gifts and the sharing of the gifts to be guided by the past, but to invest in God's new future that sometimes takes us beyond the plaques and the programs and the institutions that we grow accustomed to, serving the mission. The military teaches us everything for the mission. We have a creed that focuses us, as J.D. so helpfully pointed out. We have the Apostles' Creed, but it's all to serve and to focus our eyes on God's mission, the kingdom coming. How are we serving that eternity beyond the past, beyond the present, who are we serving? Because we've got to serve somebody. 
that great gospel hymn, silently, tenderly, Jesus is calling, reminds us, Jesus is calling, calling for you and me. Here in this time, through our worship together, through the sermons, through the children's sermons, through our offerings, everything we do in worship, softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling, calling for you and for me. Time is fleeting and moments are passing. Passing for you and for me. You've got to serve somebody. Who are we serving? And how are we serving with our time and our talents and all of our resources? How are we to serve God beyond the institution? You've got to serve somebody. Well, we serve time and we also often have to serve our country. We have to serve the government and we all have taxes to pay and we know about this. And we know that each of us has to decide where we're going to invest our resources. We have many hands that come for the money that we have earned in exchange for our time and often our soul. The country, our church, civic duties, connectional ministries, the end, there's no end to the ministries that need our support. And yet again and again, we are called simply to be faithful in how we offer all of our life. It's not so much the amount, it's the spirit that we offer into. And sometimes we need reminder that giving, though it does seem to hurt, can be done in such a way as to give new life. There's a funny story about uh, a church that needed to do a fundraising campaign, and so they elected a new chair of finance. We do that from time to time here, and our stewardship campaigns you're well familiar with. This chairman of the new finance committee agreed to take the job under one condition, or really a set of conditions. The man said, at the end of the year, I will make a report. I will not give a report at all for one year, and no one in the church can ask me any questions about finances for an entire year. What do you think, Mike? You think that'll fly? <laughs> well, this man was the owner of a grain elevator in town, and, then, and the church was hard up. They needed a finance chair, and so they agreed to his conditions, and, and so the man who ran the elevator grain in the town did his secret plan throughout the year. No reports were given. At the end of the year, he came forward to the church and made his report. His report was he paid off all the $200,000 debt on the church. He had redecorated the church with no complaints from anybody in the church on the colors. That's a miracle in and of itself. <laughs> a trustee committee miracle, right? He had raised money for missions, and he had left $5,000 in the reserve in the bank. Everybody was amazed. They wanted to know how this miracle had been wrought. The finance chair said, well, you church people bring all your grain down to my grain elevator. When you did business with me, I simply withheld a 10% surcharge and gave it back to the church. You never missed it. They tithe through the grain elevator, and they'd done such good work. That was a surcharge, but 
if we come to think of our giving as a serve charge, what could we do together if we gave with a spirit of generosity, hopefulness rather than grudgingness, giving like the widow rather than the scribes, desperately worried about how they were going to keep the temple treasury open when the structure of the institution was already crumbling. And yet the kingdom of God was on the doorstep right across the way. Jesus was looking, silently, tenderly calling disciples to give and to share the gifts of their lives, their money and their lives in service to the kingdom. We got to serve somebody and it may be the devil and it may be the Lord, but our gifts, whether they be small, become mighty mites when we give our all. The mighty might. That's what we're asking you, to share in the gifts of service, a kind of serve charge. We don't give you a, an amount on the estimate cards for giving that we've asked you to bring forth today. We don't ask you to put down a particular amount. We're asking you to offer your service, your reasonable service. But it is a way of clarifying your money or your life and which direction you will have your life go as you put your all into it. We simply invite you to give your all no matter how small. Stewardship campaigns this year, we've purposefully narrowed them down. We're in the process of putting together our budgets for next year a little bit earlier than usual. We are asking you to present your estimates of giving today as a kind of measure of where you are in your own spiritual walk and where you are. Are you like the widow, ready to put in your all, no matter how small? We're inviting you to do that so that we can better clarify how we will go forward as institutions change, as buildings wear and tear, as time comes at not only our buildings but our bodies, we may need to let some plaques and some programs go and reorder the programs and priorities for God's future to give for eternity in view, not simply to serve the past. But stewardship campaigns have to be carefully designed really for the congregation. Pastors know there's really different kinds of givers, three kinds of givers, and probably at least three kinds of stewardship campaigns. There's three kinds of givers. There's the flint, the sponge, and the honeycomb. And for each kind of giver, there's probably a church and a perfect stewardship campaign. Which kind are you, the flint, the sponge, or the honeycomb when it comes to the question, your money or your life? To get anything from the flint, you really got to hammer it. Well, we've tried that in the past. The church tries to hammer you from the pulpit and hammer you from the, the songs and hammer you in the bulletin and hammering you. Well, what does that get you? All you get are chips and sparks out of an old flint, right? Out of a stony flint. The flint really gives nothing away if it can help it. And even then, only putting out sparks and making big display. Or do we have any flints in here when it comes to your money or your life? I don't think so. I don't get that sense after being your pastor for a year and a half. Do we have any sponges in here? 
who will give out what they have only if you squeeze them really hard. We got sponges in? No, we don't have sponges. The sponge readily yields to the pressure from the pulpit or from the scribes or the, or the stewardship campaign or the finance campaign. The estimate of giving card is not putting the squeeze on you as if you were a sponge to give out in due response to our squeeze. We're not putting a squeeze on you. This church isn't a spongy kind of church. But then there's the honeycomb. You know what the honeycomb does. You take freely from the honeycomb, and what does the honeycomb do? It freely flows and presents more honey. The honeycomb giver. Freely giving, sweetness and generosity, all giving all of itself, the honeycomb drips without pressure, without begging, without badgering. The honeycomb gives its resource. It's ever renewable. Unlike the flint or the sponge, the honeycomb is about life. It's connected to the rhythms of life. Where there is need, it produces the ongoing creative work of the bees. The busy bees continue to work, and the honeycomb shares its life-giving sweetness and grows as you give. I've come to believe, as I look at the patterns of giving across the life of the church, across the many areas that we give, both connectionally through our United Methodist apportionments and outward into the community. This is a honeycomb community, freely giving its sweet, its sweet resources and its gifts. And when we share freely like the honeycomb, we get a little closer to the widow and a little farther away from the scribes who built a temple off a corrupt treasury, an empty treasury that tried to put the squeeze on widows and the poor. Your estimate of giving is an estimate of your honeycomb sweet generosity. You gotta serve somebody, you gotta serve something, and you can't really in the end take it with you. An old wise CPA was once asked about his rich client who died. They asked him, how much did he leave? And the CPA said, he left all of it. That's the CPA report for every one of us when we depart, when time has had its last say, its last tick. What are we serving beyond time? What are we serving beyond the past and the present, which is so ephemeral? What of ourselves are we giving? We will leave behind all of it after we're gone. How much of ourselves are we putting in in the present? The widow is the example of the one who put in all of it. We have to serve time, and we have to serve our country, and we have to serve our, our institutional churches, but how? Your money or your life? Will we be the honeycomb community that freely gives out of faith, worrying not because God will replenish us generously, even as questions of the way forward and the year ahead for the United Methodist Church loom large, Jesus stands and says, those who are willing to put all of themselves in need not fear the crumbling of any institution, need not fear any budget shortfall, need not fear any loss of building. Lay up treasures 
where neither moth nor rust corrode. Your money or your life, college place, what will it be? We're thinking. We're thinking. May the Lord be in your thinking and in your spirit as you determine how much of your money and how much of your life you will share in gifts of service. As we invite you through our hymn of dedication number 399, Take My Life and Let It Be, we invite you to come forward with your estimate of giving card, not to put the squeeze on you, but to be the honeycomb sweet generosity that God has shown us in the past through this congregation to be. What will you offer as you share your gifts of service in 2019? Come forward and offer to share your gifts of sacrifice and service. Take my life and let it be. This has been a production of College Place United Methodist Church. May God bless you richly upon hearing this message.